And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley. It's Thursday. Deal with it. <laughs> Gary, <laughs> how are you? <laughs> Good. Good morning. How's everybody doing? We're so happy to have you here. What I want to get, where's that story that I saw earlier? I just, I was just reading it here. I just uh, had all my stuff here, and it was, they, they were talking about the fact that uh, part of the reason uh, that, uh, I think it was in uh, New York City, mm. that uh, allergies are so great is because there's more male trees, and they call it uh, botanical sexism. <laughs> just... It is true, I know, with mountain cedar, that it's the there it male is. trees. That uh, give off the there it is allergens. Uh, experts say too many male trees are making spring allergy season hell in New York City. Botanical sexism, and it's in quotes. I haven't even got to the story. I just got to the headline and went. All right, we'll get to that later on, yeah. sometime in the uh, sometime in the show. Well, it's always the males causing the problems. We always know that. You know, and 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 so clearly. Because the Democratic Party has seen the error of their ways in putting Joe Biden in the White House, <laughs> they decided to uh, usher in another white male. Because clearly that's going to be the answer by their own standards. They keep they keep railing at the white male and also putting him in charge <laughs> and on women's sports teams. Oh, oh, oh! Uh, what? Oh, what? After a decade of us talking about the liberal transgender activist movement and how it was going to destroy liberal feminism, uh-huh. right? Yeah, we, we've talked about that for years. Uh-huh. This story: two liberal organizations describing themselves as radical feminist groups have entered a surprising partnership in their effort to protect women's rights. Wow! This well, week, welcome to the club. Women's Liberation Front and Women's Declaration International USA broke with the Biden administration and joined congressional Republicans in support of H.R. 734, 
or the Protection of Women and Girls in Sports Act, a bill that would prevent biological males from participating in women's sports. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Let's let's ask this question. Were they why did they just come forward now and actively support it? Was it because you had Riley Gaines come forward and now it seems as if there's a a a a push and after seeing for example the Bud Light controversy that yeah. they realized okay we can now we we couldn't do it on our own we couldn't go up against the liberals on our own but now there's enough support and we realize the support in the country actually would back us because the women's rights movements were absolute cowards as we have said when Gloria Steinem a couple of years ago just you know crumbled down submitted to the man that was when you knew he's like can they ever come back uh, speaking with uh, Fox News Digital yesterday, uh, Kara Dansky, the president for the Women's uh, Declaration International USA, said her organization was devoted to advancing the Declaration on Women, Sex-Based Rights, which, according to the group, reaffirms women and girls' sex-based rights and challenged the discrimination experienced from the replacement of the category of sex with that of gender identity. Mm-hmm. Wow. They're hitting on all all cylinders here. We are a radical feminist organization. Hmm. And Article 7 of the Declaration of on Women's Sex-Based rights which, rights, which is grounded in a radical feminist critique of gender identity and demands that sports be a kept a single sex. You know what I said? There, there was just, for years ago we said this, there was no clearer... There was absolutely no clear sign or imagery uh, backed on backed by what they were actually doing mm-hmm. that was such blatant sexism and misogyny. No, it's it was it's it's like watching uh, somebody just take a, a gasoline can and pour it on something and set it on fire, and you're looking around going, "Does anybody else see this?" Does anybody else see this? <laughs> you just had me going to the CNN. It was it CNN where the reporters out there and the mostly peaceful protest? Yeah, and the city's burning behind them. Yeah, right. I mean, it's but that's the world we live in. You know, everything, everything is that. The left just wants to wants people to live in a alternate universe. They're buying into this comic book multiverse crap. Dansky said she wasn't surprised to hear Biden's vow to veto the bill should have passed through Congress and emphasized that she is a Democrat. I am a registered Democrat and always have been, and I think it's the height of hypocrisy for the Democratic leadership, including the president, to champion the rights of women and girls to abortion, which we totally support, and simultaneously denying Mm-hmm. Uh, the rights of women and girls to single sex spaces. Uh, the board of the Women's Liberation Front echoed Dansky in her determination to protect single sex sports. Women and girls deserve 
to play in athletic competitions that are fair and safe. Single-sex sports are critical to ensuring equal opportunity, scholarships and careers, and new gender identity policies threaten to set women back decades in progress. Where the hell were they five years ago, six years ago, seven years ago, eight years ago? Mm-hmm. Where were they? Everybody could see it then. Look, we've been covering this for the longest time. We probably were the in in uh, the the media one of the uh, you know first media, I guess shows to pound on this ten years ago and predict what would happen. And we were on this big time when no Democrat was challenging the insanity of the Obama administration attempting through executive order to change clearly. Title IX, which Congress meant based on biological sex. Right. And the women's movement and the left just crumbled under it. There was a huge controversy going on the week that that uh, just days before that joint edict came down from the Obama administration here in Fort Worth at the Fort Worth ISD here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And there was controversy over a transgender student. And they had, at the board meeting, they had come to... A, a, an agreement that, look, we'll make accommodations for the for the transgender student, so that uh, nobody is meant to feel uncomfortable. So that transgender student uh, will make sure that, that that they are accommodated and separate from the other students if they don't feel comfortable. And so there was this agreement, and the joint edict came down three or four days later. That happened like on a Monday or Tuesday. And then the joint edict came down, I think, on a Thursday, because you and I tore it apart that night on the Friday morning show, if I remember correctly, but it was at the end of the week. And we were tearing it down. And it was a joint edict between the Department of Justice and the, the Department of Education that went to the extent, and they, and they mentioned, this is our interpretation of Title IX, our interpretation of Title IX, but a student. In public schools, all they had to do is say, this is my name now, and this is the gender that I am now. You can't question it. No involvement by the parents. No clinical involvement can be required. All it was, the only criteria is that the student said so. It also included that if they were going to go on road trips, mm-hmm. you could not make special hotel arrangements for them. You couldn't make special locker room arrangements for them. And the reason the DOJ was on board, because they said that if you violate this from the Department of Education, the Department of Justice will see it as you violating the rights of that student and we will come after you. That actually happened. And people, way too many people, sat back and watched it happen and didn't say a thing. I can't tell you for the life of me why. That was in 20... That have been uh, early 2016. 2016? Yeah. yeah. Okay, it was, 20, it was, it was 2016. Yeah, yeah, it was the yeah. Obama administration. Okay, right, so right. 
Uh, it, I know it wasn't January of 2017, so it was, it was early. I think it was spring of 2016, and it was, it was toward the end. And we said, look, um, you know, don't believe for a moment if you're, cons- if you are, for those who are concerned about it, don't believe for a moment it's going away. If there's not a liberal president in the White House, it will come back. Oh, They're yeah. not done, and we were right, and they won't ever be done. This is why the fight must be every single day. People must stand for what they believe, and they must stand up for their children in schools. Because they're coming for your authority over your children. Over my dead body. That ain't going to happen. So I'm I'm happy that it, it happened. Uh, that, it's you finally, that you finally sure. have some uh, liberal groups recognizing the insanity uh, of the liberal transgender activist movement. But as we played yesterday, it was Representative Gomez, mm-hmm. you know, standing up there and, you know, the, to, to him and to the Democratic, the, the, the National Democratic Party, which is the members of Congress. You know, this is their new civil rights movement. And think mm-hmm. about it. Their new civil rights movement is basically, you know, sexism and misogyny. And 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 the and and promoting child abuse. That's yeah. the new civil rights of the modern Democratic Party today. Yeah. And finally, you have some liberal groups going. Oh, okay. Finally, and I really think it's the Bud Light thing. I, I seriously. I and 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 uh, what's her name? Uh, the I can't think of her name. The the swimmer coming forward. Riley Gaines. Riley Gaines. Yeah, Riley Gaines coming forward. I really think, and then leading into that, where it's like, oh wow, there is really a push behind this, isn't there? And then they finally came forward. But the liberal feminist movement, including these liberal groups, have been cowering in fear from the, uh, as we call it, the blue wave of intimidation mm-hmm. that will destroy your lives, will destroy everything about you if you won't lie about sex and if you won't let a man define what a woman is and if you won't submit to the man and do what the man says because the man says so, and therefore you as women need to obey and cower down before the man. Unbelievable. And if you've listened to the show, you know, we've been saying this, I don't know, for years. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's 2016 is when uh, the Title IX, uh, all that stuff started. But the liberal transgender activist movement, I mean, we've been talking about this well over oh a decade. Uh, back in California and the school where yep. the, the girl was accused of being a bigot because she felt intimidated that a man was using the girl's restroom. She was deemed a bigot. Charlotte Observer, editorial board, your daughter needs to get used to male genitalia. This is who these people are at the core. They're perverts, and they want to grab your authority over your children. And if that is not the red flag of all red flags, we are doomed. When they try to promote it as a new higher morality and civil rights. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're not going to you're not going to win that. And I will tell you, I mean, it's it's you know, it's really good. I mean, there's this is another one of the things that you and I talked about where 
seriously, it was like back, you know, uh, six years ago, seven years ago, eight years ago, nine years ago, ten years ago, when we were pounding on this, and we felt like, is does anybody care about this? We, I mean, we're we watching the gasoline fire yeah. burn going, yeah. why isn't anybody saying yeah. anything about this at all, aside from us? And we knew where it was going to end up, and then yeah. boom, and I was like, well, where'd this come from? Well, yeah. we've been warning you for the longest time that it was coming. Yeah, and But people sort of blow it off and just, I, look, I understand it because I've been a talk show host. <laughs> for a long, 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 long time. Oh, you guys are just going down a slippery slope that's never going to happen. Well, you know something? <laughs> All the slippery slopes happened, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. And 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 they're not even slopes anymore. It's just it's straight on, full on. And for those that are buying into this garbage that this is a new civil rights movement, think about the protected classes during the actual civil rights movement. The protected classes that were created. If anybody can belong to a protected class simply by saying so, then there are no protected classes. This is not a civil rights movement. This is an authority grab. This is a perversion beyond comprehension that they want to teach this to children and leave the parents out of it and deem them bad parents if right. they say anything right. against what their children's right. wishes are. And understand because we've seen it. We saw it in California in the law with the pronouns. We saw it in Canada. The ultimate would be you need to shut up about this or we'll jail you. We'll put that's, you in jail. That's where it was going. Yep. And it may still be going there in Canada. If the Democrats had the votes here... We would see that, but the reason they don't have the votes is because the American people don't want this to happen. And it's time for everybody to speak out against it, not just Riley Gaines, not just conservative talk radio. 86690-RED-EYE. Cold weather takes a toll on trucks. As warmer weather rolls in, it's time to assess the impact winter has had on your vehicle to help avoid downtime and keep your rig rolling through to next winter. Spring temperature swings can cause your tire pressure to fluctuate. Start your spring maintenance routine by checking your tire pressure and make sure your tires are properly inflated based on the load you're hauling. Underinflated tires cause premature wear, reduced fuel economy, and premature tire failures. Take care of your tires now before you find yourself stranded roadside this spring. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella with advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed. Brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. Bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters C P 
Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. Whoa, the IRS whistleblower that says the Biden administration is interfering with the uh, Hunter Biden tax fraud probe. That's fascinating. Remember, I think it was the FBI last year that said, I think it was the FBI in a report that said, yeah, they had, you know, they the evidence exists that Hunter Biden, uh, you know, basically, uh, you know, broke tax law. Yeah, you I know, he didn't he didn't. He did not report that income. Right. He took out a loan to pay it off later on, but that doesn't take the that doesn't take away the fact that he was attempting to evade, you know, paying income taxes. Yeah, uh, this is a big deal that you have a, a whistleblower coming forward here. Um, we'll see what happens as yep. a result of it. But I love the the first paragraph from Fox News when they broke this story: an IRS criminal supervisory agent seeking whistleblower protection claims the investigation into Hunter Biden is being mishandled by the Biden administration. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was like, well, yeah. Talking about the Biden administration, also uh, what they uh, wish to do to redistribute uh, high-risk loan costs and put it on homeowners that actually have a good credit rating. Yeah, yeah. All coming up. This is just... This isn't going to go over well, but no, it's not. You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 uh, Red Eye. Good morning. Thank you for uh, being here this morning. I'm telling you, it was an insane day yesterday. I was trying to get my lawn work done <laughs> because we're supposed to get some rain and at the, the same time keep up. And, and we had talked about this yesterday, but seriously, since the Republicans... Since the Republicans are, you know, have taken the House, I mean, it's just every single day. You know, there's and and even in the Senate, there's four, five, six different committees that are interviewing people. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mayorkas. We'll have some great audio coming up from Mayorkas on on the stand yesterday, and some of the things that uh, that uh, that were said. Uh, you know, uh, uh, there you had you know the the stuff on Afghanistan. You know the the Afghanistan IG. You know, throwing out that, by the way, I, I believe the Afghanistan in, uh, inspector general disagrees with the analysis of the wh- analysis of the White House. 
it, on the it exit from Afghanistan. It seems to be the case, yes. <laughs> just... <laughs> I'm not an expert, but... Yeah. And and it's, and so it's it's really I mean it's a fascinating time because it do, it doesn't stop. It's like mm-hmm. okay, this and so we've got a ton of audio uh coming up here on uh the uh, the show today and also the debt ceiling uh to see a poll here where bat- battleground voters support cutting federal spending before raising the debt ceiling. Mm-hmm. Of course, you, everybody understands the argument. Everybody understands. When you actually when you actually put out the argument of what we're doing and you say is what the Republicans promoting more responsible from the Democrats, unless you're a political hack. If if you're somebody who is in, if you're dealing with inflation right now and what it is like to be in debt, you understand that the, what the Republicans are promoting is the right thing to do. Yeah. No. But uh, here is let's let's get the um, the uh, the letter here. This is uh, Mark uh, Lytell, the uh, uh, attorney for the IRS whistleblower. And uh, this is this goes to everybody. You can see the long list. Uh, it goes to uh, Ron Wyden, uh, Durbin, Lindsey Graham, Chuck Grassley, Jason Smith, Richard Neal, Jim Jordan, Gerald Nadler. Oh. Uh, I, uh, dear chairs and ranking members, I represent a career IRS criminal supervisory special agent who has been overseeing the ongoing and sensitive investigation of a high-profile controversial subject since early 2020 and would like to make... Uh, make protected whistleblower disclosures to Congress despite serious risks of retaliation. My client is offering to provide you with information necessary to exercise your constitutional oversight function and wishes to make the disclosures in a nonpartisan manner to the leadership of the relevant committees on both sides of the political side. My client has already made legal protected disclosures internally at the IRS uh, uh, through counsel to the U.S. Treasury Inspector General for the Tax Administration and to the Department of Justice Office of Inspector General. The protected disclosure disclosures contradict sworn testimony to Congress by a senior political appointee involving failure to mitigate clear conflicts of interest in the ultimate disposition excuse me, of the case and detailed examples of preferential treatment and politics improperly infecting decisions and protocols that would normally be followed by career law enforcement professionals and similar circumstances if the subject were not politically connected. Uh, Some of the protected disclosures contain information that is restricted by statute from unauthorized disclosure to protect taxpayer and tax return information. My client would like to share the same legally protected disclosures with Congress, and pursuant to the law, and protections afforded, the whistleblower law, that he has already shared with other oversight authorities out of an abundance of caution regarding taxpayer privacy laws. My client has refrained from uh, sharing certain information even with me in the course of seeking legal advice. Thus, it is challenging for me to make fully informed judgments about how best to proceed. My goal is to ensure that my client can properly share his lawfully protected disclosures with congressional committees, thus I respectfully respectfully request that your committees work with me to facilitate sharing this information with Congress legally and with the fully informed advice of counsel with the appropriate legal protection and in the appropriate setting. I would be happy to meet with you and provide a more detailed proffer of this testimony my client could provide to Congress. So there you go. And also a copy goes to 
uh, 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 Michael Horowitz, uh, the uh, Department of Justice Inspector General. And uh, from what we get out of this, from what sources say, of course, that this is this is uh, the Biden administration interfering with the Hunter Biden uh, uh, tax fraud. And I believe I did see that the uh, the person who lied under oath. Uh, did you see the claim that the person who they said lied under oath is Merrick Garland? I did not see that. Hmm. Wow. I did see that in one of the articles that I was mm. reading yesterday that that's what the <clears throat> that's what that's what they uh that's what they suspect. It wouldn't be shocking, but it also wouldn't be good for Merrick Garland if it turns out to be the case. Specifically the agent has uh, provided uh, the agent has provided evidence that at least two Biden Department DOJ political appointees in the U.S. Attorney's Office have declined to seek a tax indictment against Hunter Biden despite career investigators' recommendation to do so and the blessing of prosecutors in the DOJ tax division. In addition, the whistleblower alleges uh, that, uh, let me get it here, this would be, I'm going to get who they're actually accusing of it. Um, Hunter's, in, uh, uh, Hunter's under investigation by the DOJ uh, for tax fraud, money laundering, and violation of lobbying laws. Trump-appointed U.S. Prosecutor David Weiss for months has been weighing if there is sufficient evidence for gr- the grand jury to uh, in, indict him. And as a right here, uh, in addition, the whistleblower alleges Weiss asked to be named as a special counsel in the probe to provide a degree of separation between the probe and Joe Biden. That request was apparently turned down. The allegations come as a grand jury appears to have convened as far back as May of 2019. A confidential subpoena served to J.P. Morgan Chase Bank reveals the subpoena sought bank records for Hunter and James Biden. Hmm. According to the New York Times, Hunter tried to settle the Department of Justice's probe in 2021. He paid an outstanding $1 million IRS tax bill to evade conviction or long sentence. The payment could benefit Hunter's defense. The probe into Hunter could implicate President Joe Biden, as we all know, the big guy and everything else. And they go into mm-hmm. they go into uh, all of uh, all of that. And I got to find the story that I saw yesterday because now I saw it from the Washington Examiner. It actually is based off a tweet from Josh Hawley, uh, based on the whole um, uh, FBI targeting Catholic parishes. Holly tweeted out, uh, what date was this, April 11th, Merrick Garland told me under oath the FBI was not targeting Catholic parishes. That appears to have been a lie. I want the truth. Oh, yeah, I saw that one. Yeah, yeah. That, that one I saw. This, yeah. this was related to this case, though. Right. And I, right. And I forgot. Yeah, I, I, I forgot thought that's who, what and you and were again, referring with, to. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that, that claim, but... Uh, We'll look for it. We'll we'll find that story. Yeah, I'll find it to you here because that's uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll I'll try to find where mm. who actually who who actually said that. But mm. uh, you know, when when you look, as we have said, everyone knows. Nobody, you notice that nobody is defending Hunter Biden anymore. No, I haven't no. even heard in the last couple of weeks anybody say, "Well, uh, Hunter isn't the president." 
because as we all know, you really can't use that excuse yeah. because Hunter Biden was the intermediary that was <laughs> that was uh, making the Biden family rich. Right. And yeah. again, until those questions are answered, the Republicans aren't going to stop and the public wants an answer. You know, until you find out, OK, what was you know, what was the Biden family? What was Joe Biden giving in return for millions of dollars to enrich his family? And this thing just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And so this coming out here with the whole IRS, you know, uh, uh, situation, I mean, we know that he didn't report the income. Right. We know they have him for tax evasion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why he paid, you know, back. Well, I'm going to pay it back now that now that you're coming after him, I'm going to pay it back. Right. Well, I guess that I guess that could be taken into consideration. But if you pay it back after you've evaded taxes and, and only you only pay it back after an investigation starts, to me, I don't have a lot of sympathy for you. No. As a prosecutor, no. I'd have a lot. You're just trying, especially when, you know, you're you're not somebody who is, you know, you're you're the part of the rich elite. And obviously there was a reason for you not to report that you were making this money. Right. Because right. it would look horrible. On record, it would be in the IRS that you were making money to enrich your family, and and your family is the Biden family, and your father, vice president, at you know at that time mm-hmm. when deals were being done and all the way through, and then it's on record that this income came in, and this is before any of the investigation came out, and before October of 2020 with right. the right. with the the laptop, and nobody was really paying attention to it. Remember, that was 2020, and how long does it go back? It goes back a decade, you know, even before that. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. you know, And so, um, you know, this is just, uh, this is, every as we said, almost every day there's some news coming out that just makes it worse for Biden. Now, we know that the Biden family was enriched. And, mm-hmm. you know, the left, just about what, a month and a half ago where you heard, well, Trump... Uh, sells his family name now he sells his family's business there's actually a business that they're right. there are numerous businesses that they're involved in but if you want to make that comparison that's fine just tell us what business joe biden is in yeah right what business is the biden shows, family shows in? shows a history show us something that gives us reason to believe that he was qualified that hunter biden was qualified to be there in that position, aside from the fact that his dad at the time was vice president. Right. Show me that. Uh, the Daily Wire in their cover of the whistleblower, uh, coverage of the whistleblower thing, uh, that was uh, uh, Daniel Chayton over at uh, Daily Wire, uh, did make a, uh, a, a point in the story. Attorney General Merrick Garland spoke briefly about the inquiry during congressional testimony early last month with a quote from Garland, and the quote is, I pledge not to interfere with that investigation, and I have carried through on my pledge, or Garland testified under oath to the Senate uh, Judiciary Committee. And again, that was last month when he said that. I don't know if they're inferring here in in this story that, you know, he was lying under oath. He didn't keep that pledge. I don't know. Um, But uh, it's very clear I don't know that anybody expected there to be a, a fair investigation when the, from Joe Biden's administration. I'm just 
uh, I'm glad a, a, that a whistleblower has come forward. Uh, that's not an easy thing to do. So, but it's important. And we'll see where it goes. Okay, you know. here it is. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. This came from the CBS News story. Okay. So that's where I saw it. All right. IRS whistleblower says Attorney General Garland lied to Congress. So then based on that. Right. That's, a CB, that's the CBS okay. story. Okay. And I'll actually get to that CBS story. We'll just play that. because that, it, it that, I knew I'd seen on it. That, what, that, you know, that statement that, that he said that he, he's not interfering or. I, I don't. I, yeah. I don't. I just, I just read it there and I believe I have the actual report. They don't have it in text here. Mm-hmm. They just have the headline and with the audio. So I'll make sure we can play the audio. There's been problems with YouTube for the last couple of days. A lot yeah. of people talking about it. It's like, what's going on with YouTube? Why right. can't you play some of the audio? So before I play it, I want to. I just want to uh, preview it, but yeah, sure. that, that's where I'd seen it—the headline earlier. So yeah, we'll get right. to, we'll get to that and more. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio toll free at eight six six ninety Red Eye. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. Yeah, it's a CBS report uh, that uh, that that uh, says it, and they're the ones. By the way, CBS came out and said, "No, our sources tell us it's Hunter Biden," and uh, also our sources tell us that the uh, the senior Department of Justice appointed official who he's accusing of lying is Merrick Garland. Now that's interesting because, and we'll have we'll have that report coming up so you can hear. It uh, actually from the people at uh, at uh, CBS. That's interesting because this is a criminal IRS agent, right? You know, criminal investigations. Yeah. What he's saying is yeah. not that what he said was false. You know, not and that's that's the important part. He's not saying that what Mark Garland said was false. He's saying it's a lie, right? It's you know, not an inaccuracy, right? He knowingly said something that was wrong, right. that was false. Wow. Yeah. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Hello. Here we go. Uh, Thursday already. Time is just flying by. It is. All right. Here's the audio I found from, uh, from CBS. And interesting, this is CBS covering this. As you said, eventually there's going to come a point with Biden where the mainstream media even says, okay, sorry, 
uh, we got to cover this. This is just, it gets to the point of being just so damaging that huh, we don't need you anymore. Right. Even though I was thinking that if uh, Biden does decide to run, it will be interesting if there's Joe Biden, Robert Kennedy Jr., and Marianne Williamson on the stage. Yeah, yeah. No, I want to see the debate. That would just be... I want to see the debate. <laughs> I do want to see... Watching it. Kennedy yesterday with his official announcement, and I thought, no, let's bring it on. Come on. <laughs> Come know, on. I thought the same thing. I'm like... <laughs> bring on the attack ads. Come you on. Know, normally, it for me, it would be pulling teeth to watch a Democrat debate because yeah. I know exactly what they're going to say. Right, I, you right, know, I, right. I know where they stand on every issue, right. and it's just bizarre, and I can guarantee that they will never get to the true substance of any argument right? Uh, in, yeah. in, in a Democratic debate. That's mm-hmm. just, you know, uh, so it's like pulling teeth. I'll watch, I'll examine it, I'll observe, I'll, I'll respond, but it's tough. But if it was Biden, Robert Kennedy, and oh Williamson gosh. on together, that actually would have great entertainment value to it. Oh, my gosh. Number one, we'd get so much audio. we wouldn't have to do any work for a week oh my gosh it would be it Mm. would be great but i do wonder as i'm watching uh kennedy make his announcement yesterday i'm i'm wondering i i I think okay can they even get to what the first debate and i don't know when that would be Uh, if because if there are primary challengers I don't know when they would schedule it. Look, the DNC doesn't want it to happen. They don't want it. They don't want it to happen for the same reason that we want it to happen. <laughs> and so I don't. But I I don't know that Kennedy or Williamson are going to have uh, any money in their campaign by the time they get there. I, I wonder how well, soon they will drop out. You know, I don't know what her support is right now, but with Kennedy having fourteen percent. Mm-hmm. That probably gets That's him in. Pretty strong, that yeah. probably gets him in a debate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, sure. He'd have to pay for his own gas to get there, but <laughs> uh, but but I did I did like the headline because the headlines every headline almost read in the mainstream media anti vaxxer anti vaxxer anti vaxxer anti vaxxer. Yeah. I'm like, well, okay, just putting that, you know, how much support from the Democratic Party could you possibly get just by right. putting that in there? Right. And when I saw fourteen percent, I went. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Why? Well, there was, this is speculation, uh, because this has been speculation that he's going to run, you know, for a couple of weeks. Yeah. And it's a couple yeah. of weeks ago, and but it was a, just a, <laughs> a headline that said, even the Kennedy family won't support him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh my God. <laughs> I love that. Oh, yeah. my. But getting yeah. back here to the... This uh, CBS News story, when you hear it, you're like, this is CBS? Because uh, they ask the questions, but they actually have the lawyer on for the whistleblower. Right, yeah. And uh, here's part of it. This is uh, the, you'll first hear from the lawyer and the actual reports done by Jim Axelrod. So here we go. My client wants to come forward to Congress. He's ready to be questioned about what he knows and what he experienced under the proper legal protections. Attorney Mark Lytle's client is a supervisory special agent at the IRS who's prepared to tell Congress the investigation he's been working on has been hampered by what he thinks is special treatment. 
typical steps that a law enforcement investigator would take were compromised because of political considerations. Lytle wouldn't talk in specifics, declining to identify either his client or the target of the investigation his client helped conduct. Can you identify him? I can't at this stage, Jim. But CBS News has learned the investigation the whistleblower worked on is about Hunter Biden. What we're doing is is being completely cooperative. That was Biden two years ago, after the DOJ opened an investigation into his finances. The FBI collected what it believed was sufficient evidence to charge Biden with tax crimes, and last year sent its findings to the U.S. attorney in Delaware. Since then, silence. Why can't your client talk to us directly at this point? There are laws that provide protection to whistleblowers, and he has to navigate that. Today, Lytle sent this letter to Congress, claiming his client could provide information that would contradict sworn testimony by a senior political appointee. I have promised to ensure that he's able to carry out uh, his investigation. CBS News has learned that was Attorney General Merrick Garland, who gave testimony about the Trump-appointed U.S. attorney in Delaware conducting the Hunter Biden investigation. Lytle says neither he nor his client are motivated by politics. Would you find any evidence or allegation of a political agenda? No. To him... The truth is one truth, and he wants to come forward with it. There you go. Now, really interesting that CBS is the one that's giving all this information. This isn't a conservative media outlet. Yeah, right. And what they're saying is, and how do you find this out? How do you know this? Yeah. But CBS is stating that the the person who the IRS criminal investigator says lied – to Congress is Merrick Garland, and they're the ones that are saying it's Hunter Biden, and they're the ones that are saying the FBI, and this is all comes from the mainstream media, uh, that uh, the FBI, uh, you know, has the evidence to charge him and nothing has happened. It's pretty powerful stuff when you see that on CBS. Yeah, yeah it is. Uh, a couple of things, you know, and... We always talk about the activists in the newsrooms, but also the fact that the far left really is done with Joe Biden. The majority of the Democratic Party rank and file don't want him to run again. So however this falls, it falls. So this is inevitably, if they're going to cover the story, this is when you start doing it. Now, they didn't cover it in 2020. When a uh, repair store claimed that they had Hunter's laptop, they weren't going to cover it before that election because, you know, you got to get Trump out of office first. But now, all bets are off. And it doesn't mean that all of the liberal media is going to be doing their job. Um, It just means that however this falls, it's too big to ignore. And... It was Jeffrey Tubin who said, as far as we know, with his pants on, he said, we don't know what to do with the Hunter Biden story. Yeah, you do. Of course you do. You, you know, they weaponized the FBI 
and sent them after the social media to make sure that, you know, uh, it was the end of Trump's days. Uh, we're going to shut this whole story down on the Hunter laptop thing. But now, oh, my gosh, he's horrible as president, and we really don't want him to run again. And however it falls, it falls. And it's, you know, the one thing they don't have to do is they don't have to um, go down the rabbit hole that they did with the whole Russian hoax thing against Trump, all this stuff that was made up about Trump. You just follow whatever the story, however it comes out, right? This whistleblower came forward, so you're going to follow through. Find the attorney, you sit them down, you're going to talk about it, and how do you know? And there could be a couple of different motives here by the liberal media. Number one, again, they don't care if Biden is reelected or not, and uh, so let the chips fall. And or, look, uh, we'll uh, do the story here and see if we can punch holes in the in the claim of the so-called right. whistleblower. So, you know, but the fact of the matter is CBS did the story. The problem with this case for the Bidens and for the Democratic Party that makes it completely different from Trump is that when you look at Russia collusion that went on for three years, there was no evidence. Right. It never existed. Right. Exactly. It was allegations without anything to back it up. And now we know that. It was the Hillary Clinton campaign setting up the Trump campaign. That's what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They financed and created the lie. Right. Uh, and then sold it to the media and to law enforcement. We now know that. That puts a taint on anything that they throw at Trump to begin with, as uh-huh. does what Bragg is doing now. Right. Uh, and people look at that, even independents will look at that suspiciously. Of course, you're going to have a certain number of the Democratic Party that says, uh, well, we don't care. We just want Trump indicted. We don't care whether he broke a law. We don't care whether it's political. We just want that's always going to be a part of 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 the the people that claim, you know, that they're absolute partisans on the left. Mm-hmm. But it's independents that you're always trying to win. The problem here with. The problem here with Biden and the problem for the Democrats here is every Democrat listening right now knows, if if you're paying attention, if you're not ignorant on the issue, ignorant means you have a lack of knowledge. I'm not calling you stupid. Uh, But if you you are ignorant on the situation, uh, that would be your only excuse. But anybody who is not ignorant on it knows that Biden lied and has continually lied about not knowing anything about his son's business activities. Since we all know that money has gone, nobody is debating. You don't hear any debate from the left saying, this money didn't go to enrich the Biden family. You hear things like, well, Trump sold his name. No, Trump had legit businesses that he's in. Now, if he was involved in influence peddling, we said, go after him. Yeah, if you think there's something there, do the work. But they're actually involved in legit businesses. All we've asked is, uh, what is the business that the Bidens are involved with? And that's the problem right there. Yeah, there right. is no business except influence peddling. That's it. Yep. And we know, we know there's no doubt about it that money went to enrich the Biden family. The question is, the only question is why? And the public knows it. There is no debate on it. There's nobody standing up for the president saying, this is an unfair attack. 
on the Biden family and Joe Biden. No one. Because you don't dare touch or get involved in influence peddling. Two things that haven't changed in the American public. The American public still hates two things. You know, lies they'll put up with. But if you don't pay your taxes, and they do, (laughs) sorry, you can't win that one, Mm -hmm. and influence peddling. Americans don't like influence peddling. They don't like politicians enriching themselves. And that goes across political lines, Republican, Democrat, Independent, conservative, uh, libertarian, liberal. They don't like that. And so that's the problem that the Biden campaign has. That's the problem that the Democratic Party has. That's why, you know, there's all this discussion about, oh, the indecision right now of the Republican Party. Republican Party is going through a normal, actually going through a much normal process of of candidates uh, uh, out there. And, you know, they're still talking. <laughs> Did you see the the uh, the uh, the story on um, on Trump, you know, going after DeSantis and you know, we had talked about it before where Trump has, you know, talked about entitlement reform. They said in Trump's own budget, there was cuts to Social Security and Medicare for entitlement reform. Yeah, <laughs> right. There were the proposals in there and it said, so he's not going to be able to win that one. But but at least they're arguing, you know, they're going back and forth. And for the most part, they're talking about issues. Yeah, right. <clears throat> yeah. The Democratic Party, they can't touch issues. Everything is about imagery. Yep. You know, so... And the imagery not based on substance. And the fact is, every every issue, think about this as we have said, every major issue that's of concern to the American public, the Democrats are lying about. Every single one. There's not yeah. one that they're not lying about. Yeah. From energy to the border to, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, uh, the gender insanity, mm-hmm. everything they're lying about. Inflation, everything. And so that's the problem that, you know, they have. But the problem for Biden and the Democrats is the fact that everybody knew, knows the Biden family enriched themselves. The only question is, what was done for that money? And two, did they all report that income, including the president? Did, did they, the president receive yeah, value that would right. be viewed as income and didn't report it? Did they break any laws? And is the president compromised? Yes. Yes. Those are the only two questions. We know the family was enriched by millions. Nobody's debating that at all. That's the problem that they have, and that's not going away. That's not going to go away. 866-90-RED-EYE. Surviving and thriving as an owner-operator has just as much to do with managing costs as it does with generating revenue. Understanding basic principles of operating costs can save you thousands of dollars a year. Costs are not the same each month. If 9,600 miles are driven one month and 10,000 miles the next, two different sets of costs apply for each month. For example, if your tractor payment is $1,850 per month and you drive 9,600 miles in the month, your tractor payment is costing you 19.3 cents per mile. Drive 10,000 miles, though, and that same payment will cost you 18.5 cents per mile. This is one of your major fixed costs while paying off a truck loan. The difference in this example is only a fraction of a cent, which may seem like small change, but it ultimately amounts to $960 more annually on the bottom line. Because though fixed costs do not go down over time, you can reduce your cost per mile with more paid miles. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella. 
Sherotella with advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. Uh, Welcome, and uh, good morning. Coming up following uh, the uh, bottom of the hour, some uh, interesting uh, audio uh, yesterday. Members of the House really going after Mayorkas. Oh, I think it was, uh, I, won't be, I won't be playing the one from, is it Representative Higgins, I think? Hmm. Who just was going after him left and right, you know, because they were pounding on him. You know, was it Holly yesterday that uh, hit him on uh, the basically you're involved in slave trade? Yeah, you know that was you know uh, brutal, but uh, uh, it was I think it was Representative uh, Higgins uh, who said, "How can you sit there and just smugly grin?" You know that grin that he has on. You know what it looks like mm. he, he, <laughs> he looks like the Grinch. Yeah, when he puts on that smile, it's yeah. the it's the same kind of smile that you get from the Grinch. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that ear to ear, yeah, smug, uh, but defiant uh, look. We'll have we'll have some uh, real good audio uh, uh, coming up here hmm. in uh, in just uh, the next uh, uh, couple of uh, minutes, uh, and also there's just so much other stuff going. Oh yeah, the the story out there with that uh, judge. The federal judge denies uh, uh, Bragg's attempt to stop the subpoena of mm. that other former uh, district attorney who quit that Jim Jordan wants. Right. And uh, just this is really interesting. It is not the role of the federal judiciary to dictate what legislation Congress may consider or how it should conduct its deliberation in that connection. The judge wrote, Mr. Promertz must appear for the congressional deposition. No one is above the law, end of quote. Mm. <laughs> just, you no know, one is above the law, which is yeah. Everybody, that's what the it's Democrats exactly were, what they were saying the, now, the entire now, time. She is a Trump appointee. The judges, right. <laughs> but are using the exact same words, but said, you know, we can't get involved uh, in it. And we said, look, the five thousand. You know, the Democrats will make fun of it, but that's the end for Congress to say we have oversight as to where our money is spent, right? Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. From studios deep within the United States of America, 
Red Eye Radio. And I'm Gary McNamara. He's Eric Harley, 866-90-RED-EYE. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen when and where you want, in case you can't listen live overnight, which is the preferred way. Yes, how dare you? All right, here we go. Uh, this was uh, Representative Mark Green yesterday and his comments to Secretary Mayorkas, who was testifying in front of the House Homeland Security Committee. Earlier in the year, we had a hearing at the border with Border Patrol Chief Ortiz, and I asked him if by the definition written into the law, we have operational control of our southwest border. He said resoundingly, we do not. Following that, Mr. Secretary, you were questioned before the Senate about operational control. Uh, This was uh, March the 28th, just a few days ago. Let's watch your testimony. With respect to the definition of operational control, I do not use the definition that appears in the Secure Fence Act. And the Secure Fence Act provides statutorily that operational control is defined as preventing all unlawful entries into the United States. By that definition, no administration has ever had operational control. So here you admit that according to the definition that's in the code, no secretary has ever had operational control. So you know that that definition written into the law has not been achieved. Now, let's go back a few months to the testimony you gave here in the House. This is before Chief Ortiz admitted and told the truth that there was no security at the southwest border. Next clip. Will you testify under oath right now? Do we have operational control, yes or no? Yes, we do. And we have we operational are, control of the borders. Yes, we do. And, Congressman, and we are working to... So what operational control defined? In this section, the term operational control means the prevention of all unlawful entries into the United States, including entries by terrorists, other unlawful aliens, instruments of terrorism, narcotics, and other contraband. Do you stand by in your testimony that we have operational control in light of this definition? And Congressman, I think the um, Secretary of Homeland Security would have said the same thing in 2020. Mr. Roy reads... Mr. Roy reads the very definition you just admitted last month in the Senate that has not been achieved. He said, according to this definition, do you have operational control? According to the definition that you just said, no one has operation, have ever had operational control. He asks you, under oath, in the United States Congress, if you had operational control according to that definition, and you said, I do. That is a false statement because you admitted in the Senate that no one has ever achieved that. You make it very clear, Mr. Secretary, that you've known all along, according to the definition that is written in the law passed by the Congress, that you do not have operational control. And yet, in testimony to this House, under oath, the definition was read to you. You've asked, according to that, you're asked according to that definition, whether control exists, and you say yes. That sounds like a lie under oath. Now, I want to, I want to change the subject just a bit. I want to set the stage for another clip. Senator Cornyn, just last month, is asking you about uh, the cartel strategy. And he describes what Border Patrol officers and leaders have come before this committee, Congress, told us on trips to the border, is the strategy of the drug cartels. They've been telling us this for 18 months. The cartels are overwhelming the crossing sites, tying up the Border Patrol. 
And then they're slipping the drugs and the human trafficking and the nefarious folks they want to get in the U.S. around the CBP when they're tied up. It's a, it's a distraction. In the military, we'd call it a neutralizing attack. He even says that Merrick Garland, the attorney general of this administration, came before their committee and said, yes, this is the cartel strategy. Let's see clip number three. Are you familiar with that strategy? Do you agree with the attorney general? I, I am not aware of uh, that as a strategy. So the cartel's main strategy is something you're not even aware of. I, I guess there's no communications between you and the attorney general. Inside this administration, do you, you guys don't talk to one another? Um, that's insane, Mr. Secretary. You just admitted you have no clue about the central strategy of the cartels you've created by your open border. What, again, what general officer would we allow to stay on the job in the Army if he didn't understand the strategy of the enemy? Not only have you lied under oath, you just admitted your own incompetence. It's, it's really quite unacceptable. You knew very well the definition wasn't being fulfilled. You told Chip Roy, Congressman Roy, yes, I have operational control by that definition. And then later, under oath, you admit, no one's ever had control by that definition. Then you tell the Senate, I don't even know what the cartel's main strategy is. I'm out of time, Mr. Secretary. But that doesn't paint a very good picture of someone who's doing their job very well. What I found out yesterday is you can tell him he's lying under oath. You can't call him a liar. Marjorie Taylor Greene called him a liar. And those comments had to be, you know, rescinded mm. from the transcript. Mm-hmm. Because you can't call them, you can't demean their character. You can tell them you've lied under oath, but you can't call them a liar. Because I mean, <laughs> that would be wrong. Right. So, but you can say, you've lied under oath, you're not telling us the truth. But you can't call them a liar. Because I'm that not would sure be what you call a person who lies. I know. I just, I just when describing I said behavior, shook my head at that one. And apparently, it's in the rules. You can't in in the rules of the of the house. It's just, and she just, they said, "Will you take it back?" And she said, "No, I'm not going to take it back." Fake news content creator. Would that have to be stricken? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, he just, uh, you know, it, it's. Mayorkas is, if you've if you've watched it, you know. I mean, you know the fact that he's a pathological liar. Yes, and he li- And this is the problem when you're a pathological liar, and you have to answer a lot of questions. You eventually get caught, and yeah, that's no, what. It's... And and that's what you know. Green has brought up. You know, you were given the definition. You said it, and then you know, yeah, I do have operation. Which, of course. Everybody knew when Chip Roy asked you that question and read the definition, you said, I do. Everyone knew you were lying. Right. And but, but you blew it yourself by giving a different answer the next time. Well, that's the problem is that uh, if, they're, if they're going to lie, they're always going to lie. And then 
inevitably they're going to run into their own lies. Inevitably, they're going to step over their own foot. They're going to trip over themselves. And still the arrogance is there. They don't care. They don't care. The open border is by design. They want as many people to come here as possible during the Biden years so that eventually they can grow their voter base. That's all they want to do. That's the only thing they want to do. I want to see if I can play an, uh, another bit of, uh, of audio here. I may start it in, in, uh, in mid-sentence, but I want to get, I don't want to, it, the whole thing's too long, but I want to make sure I get it because this is, uh, uh, again, uh, this is Representative uh, Higgins uh, talking again to Mayorkas. Here we go. INA 241, Section A2, U.S. Code 81231, Concerning Detention. Immigration and Nationalization Act, Section D-5, Alpha, 8 U.S. Code 1182, Concerning Parole. We've given you ample opportunity to, to, to seek some sort of honorable exit from your executive position, sir. We take no pleasure in witnessing you dismantle yourself as a fellow American before the whole country. Your legacy, millions of illegals enter our country, millions under your watch, loss of operational control of our border, aligning DHS policy as an asset to Mexican cartel drug and human trafficking, the disintegration of our national sovereignty, destruction of countless thousands of Texas family lives, overwhelming crime waves sweeping across our country, over a million criminal runners you call gotaways flooding into America, many carrying backpacks loaded with deadly fentanyl and meth, or herding teenage girls into prostitution, sex slave networks across America. 225,000 Americans dead from Mexican cartel drug overdose. Since you took office two years ago, you and your inaugurated president, but mostly you, sir, because you have your whole mind about you, and you have a highly decorated background in border operations, so you're supposed to be the expert. You, sir, are the Secretary of Homeland Security, who has failed in your sworn oath to protect our nation from invasion. You had an obligation to execute the president's policies or advise the president if his policies were bringing injury to America. Ultimately, your oath requires you to secure our nation's sovereign border with Mexico and do anything necessary to stop the Mexican cartels from trafficking endless wave upon human wave of illegals into America, along with miserable death, unspeakable grief, Graveyards filled from sea to shining sea with the bodies of American sons and daughters dead from fentanyl. You've brought generational trauma 
upon our country. I believe history will witness your era of service as a transitional time in our country. But what was America like before Secretary Mayorkas, and what was America like after him? It's stunning that you could sit there and, and smugly grin as if you've not miserably failed your country. We could give you money to, to hire a thousand new border agents. Nobody wants to work for you. They're coming forth. We can't keep up with the whistleblowers that are coming to testify against your command. We could give you money to deploy all sorts of new technology. I have evidence in my file that you've given command to not deploy technology that you currently have because it interfered with the cartel's business model. We're done, done, done with your lies to America. Representative uh, Higgins uh, yesterday going after Secretary uh, Mayorkas, head of Homeland uh, Security on the border. I mean, you look at it, though. I mean, this is, uh, again, uh, he's simply relating what we've stated many times before, that the Democrats actually wish to hurt Americans. I mean, the, yep. you, we all know the what's damage going is on. done. You, yeah. The damage is measured and the numbers are staggering. And yet it still goes on. Yeah. Eight, six, six, 90 red eye. Coming up more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's red eye radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Hardy, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 uh, Red Eye. There's just a ton of good audio uh, out there that we'll get here in uh, just a, a little bit. More on the Fox uh, Dominion uh, uh, settlement, some details coming out on uh, that. The debt ceiling. Latest poll. Voters support cutting federal spending before raising the debt ceiling. According to an American Action Network poll of voters in 87 battleground congressional districts. Sure they do. <laughs> I thought the same thing. It's like, yeah. <laughs> You're a pollster, not a lawmaker, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a pollster. Okay, yeah, no, then I support cutting spending. It's like the AAN, a nonprofit advocacy group uh, close to House Republican leadership, uh, commissioned the poll. Uh-huh. In 87 battleground districts where uh, uh, Biden won by an average of five points in 2020 and ultimately found that Americans overwhelmingly support cutting federal spending <laughs> before raising the debt ce- ceiling and overwhelmingly support the proposed savings by Republicans for uh, raising the uh, uh, limit. Uh-huh. When the respondents were asked, 50 percent opposed, including a majority of independents, increasing the debt ceiling without cutting government spending while only 37% supported it. Additionally, 53% of respondents, including a majority of independents, agreed with the Republican position that it would be irresponsible to raise the debt ceiling without enacting spending cuts to get the rising debt under control. Yeah. This.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome and good morning. Thank you for being here. All right, here we go. More more audio. All right. A uh, ton of stuff. Like I said, a ton of stuff was happening uh, uh, yesterday. It was t- I didn't even get the backyard cut because I got the front yard cut, and then I got into so much out of the, the, the different hearings that were uh, that were held uh, yesterday and uh, just the ridiculous responses from so many of the Biden administration officials. This one is actually Ted Cruz, and he is with Assistant uh, Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco, mm. and uh, asking about uh, you know the uh, when the when the Dodds uh, decision was leaked, and there were protests outside the Supreme Court uh, homes. You're not allowed to do that. That's against the law. It is absolutely against the law to protest, especially protest. And it's written inside the law. I mean, it's it is a very very clear law. You can't do that in an attempt to intimidate. Right. Well, clearly, and Congress has actually the orders given by the Marshal Service mm. in the discussions with the Department of Justice uh, that said specifically, do not arrest. And this just shows you how, well, I'll, how they lie. How they how they will sit there and say no we were we followed and we were enforcing every single law and of course they weren't enforcing every single law mm-hmm. and you can present them with the evidence and they just deny it yeah and yeah. this is what was happening here between uh, uh, Ted Cruz and the uh, Assistant Attorney General Lisa Monaco um, I want to be quite clear Senator about um, the direction given to the Marshal Service through the director of the Marshal Service, he has been clear that the attorney general directed him repeatedly to enforce all federal laws to With make respect, his Ms. number Monica, one that, priority. That is demonstrably false because this is written instruction. Making arrests and initiating prosecution is not the goal. That's not an instruction to enforce the law. That is exactly the opposite. It is 180 degrees. It is instructing them. It is not the goal to arrest anybody despite the fact that the criminal statute said they shall be imprisoned. You made a political decision, Merrick Garland made a political decision, that because you agree with the protesters, you don't like the decision the Supreme Court justices made, the marshals were instructed, don't arrest anyone and don't enforce federal law. Isn't that correct? It is not correct because the Attorney General and I and the Marshal Service Director are so concerned about potential threats to the justices. The Attorney General directed in an unprecedented step, 24 7. What this says in writing. 24 7. What does this say in writing? I don't have the right glasses on for that, but Senator, the Attorney General was very clear with the Director of the Marshal Service, and the Marshal Service Director has said the same thing. The word not the is number, even underlined. The number one priority 
given to the Marshal Service for their unprecedented protection detail for the Supreme Court justices is to protect their life, their but safety, to and ignore their 1507. Property, to protect their life, their to safety. To ignore federal criminal law. Respectfully disagree with that characterization. That's what the written instruction says. Not is underlined. Do not make arrests. Do not initiate prosecutions. Up is not down. <laughs> very clear. <clears throat> yep. The law states it very clearly, but yet they ignore it. In fact, go out of their way to make sure that it is not followed. Well, that it is, as, as Senator Cruz points out, it's the opposite of enforcing the law. You ensure that it is not going to be enforced. Well, it's it's like if everybody's running a red light. Hmm. So you put the police out there. And that's an unprecedented step, putting the police out there, right? Because mm-hmm. police aren't sitting at every intersection. But people are running this red light, so you put police out there. And the police watch as the law is broken over and over again and don't do anything. And then you go to the police commissioner and say... You didn't do anything about it. What do you mean? We took the unprecedented step. We put police officers at at that intersection. Yeah, but they didn't arrest anybody. They allowed people to break the law. Right. Oh, but no, no, no. I I disagree with that uh, assessment. We took the unprecedented step of putting police officers at that corner. And police officers were there to enforce the law. And that was the order. Well, they didn't enforce the law because no. nobody was arrested, and we know that they were breaking the law, and we know because we have it right here on tape, everybody still continued to go through that red light, and the police officers didn't arrest them. So you didn't enforce the law. I disagree with that characterization because we took the unprecedented step. We had meetings on this, and we put police officers on the corner. Ah! And that's what you're dealing with here. Yeah. Over and over again, but that's exactly what we talk about when it comes to this administration. You know, the defiance isn't just the attitude and the look on their face. It's the actions that run throughout this administration. They're going to defy the law. At every step, they're going to do the opposite of what they are there to do. Whether it's enforcing the law when it comes to protests outside justices' homes or enforcing the border, they're going to do the opposite. Yeah. And uh, you cannot sit there and say that, uh, well, no, we, you know, this none of this is partisan. Mm. Of course, so much of it is partisan. Nowhere in American history would they have ever, ever been involved with anything to do with wanting to prosecute or being involved whatsoever with any other group in using the term domestic terrorist for people protesting at a board meeting, especially right. that was that was created with a that, that these board meetings actually got to that level of angst because uh, a young girl was raped yep. by a transgender female. And to sit there and to and and to do that is just is is repre, is reprehensible. But you can see through it. It's not you. You could see uh, when Monica was talking and and the way you know Ted Cruz and you're, I'm watching it here, and you can see he's got the the actual order that the marshals were given right there in front of him, mm. and she's saying that we were enforcing all laws, and it's obvious to anyone that they weren't enforcing laws. 
And so you can sit there and you can present the evidence to these people, their own evidence, their own order, and say, but you weren't because right here it says the goal is not to initiate any prosecutions whatsoever as they were breaking the law. Yeah. And you're telling me, no, we were we were told to enforce every law. No, you weren't. No. This is what you were told. I, I disagree with that analysis. Here's the sentence. Doesn't matter. Ignore the truth. Say the opposite of the truth. And don't change. Could you ever be involved in in line like that? I can't imagine. Look at, I, I can't imagine are you, are you, the, the the feeling of that of of because you know I was talk about having you know I have to call my dad. I'm going to have to talk to my father, a seasoned law enforcement investigator. I'm going to get him on the phone. The first thing he's going to ask, and it's going to be just in this tone exactly. So, how's it going? And I'm going to have to explain to him how I just lied to all the American people and that I am circumventing the law. I'm going around it in order to fulfill an agenda. He must be so proud, Dad. And you just, you wonder because, you know, you grew up in the same culture that I did and you you gave the same exact, uh, uh, you know, reasoning and we said this, you know, we said this yesterday, and it go, look, it can go both ways. We talked about this in the, uh, the the Fox News lawsuit that I can't imagine, you know, and and the and, and the thing that upsets me the most, and we know some of these people that were involved in it and have had good relationships with them in the past, but the fact is that at Fox News they were saying one thing off the air. And another thing on the air. Mm-hmm. And they were using their emails to do it. I mean, the stupidity, their work emails to do it. The stupidity involved in that, I just, that is so, that is such a huge, such a huge, uh, mind boggling thing to me that you would do something like that, that you believe that you could do that. I'll, I'll write and I'll be furious and say this off the air and in emails and then go on the air and act differently. Mm hmm. And I just, I can't imagine, I can't imagine doing that. And that's what I said is the biggest thing because that accusation's always there. You and I have dealt with that before. Well, you guys, what do you really believe? What do you mean, what do I really believe? I believe what I've said on the air. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, you have to, what do you think? We get our talking points at 930 in the morning like that one guy once, and we, we told him, what do you think? We get our talking points at 930 in the morning. And he said, yes. <laughs> well, this is like, a professional like, wrestling yeah, this, yeah, yeah, we're not coming down the ramp to loud music. Although I did ask for that in my contract, and, but but what is the what is the culture where you know where you get up there? Because I know if that was me, and this is the one thing that we've asked about, you know, these politicians that lie, and everybody knows that they're lying. You know, constantly knows that they're lying. Could you imagine? I can't imagine when when John Kirby said the other day that he didn't see the you know the the chaos in the withdrawal from Afghanistan. I can't imagine how I would be mocked. I don't know if I could retain the friendships with my closest friends if I did that. And I'm being serious. Well, no, I mean... Um, I'm, be, I'm being serious yeah. about that. That they uh, would say, good... you know, I can't... You you know, you were just... You know, this, is about, this is about soldiers dying 
and you told the biggest lie ever. You're embarrassing yourself. Do you know that, Gary? You're embarrassing yourself by these kind of lies in the public. They're such obvious lies. And you wonder, does anybody, their friends or their family, or are they into, is everything in their lives, is everything a lie? And if everything's a lie in your professional life, I have to ask the question, is everything a lie in your personal life? It would have to be. Is everything a lie? And justify it away as, well, that's how the game is played. That's the difference in the culture that I grew up in. The game isn't played that way. Because it's not a game. It's serious. Every year we have a reunion with uh, uh, a handful of guys that I grew up with. And one of them who is no longer with us, he was who I called the king of the court. Um, when he passed, we had a, a virtual. Uh, we There was a virtual funeral because it was during COVID. He didn't have, he didn't die from COVID, but. Um, when he passed, um, many of us were were on that call, and and on that we were the 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 church allowed a video presentation, so we were on that video conference to watch that presentation. And I called him the king of the court because he would hold court because it inevitably, and and this happens with all those guys, inevitably. If I showed up behaving after behaving that way, I would be in court would be in full session. And yeah. rightly so. They would call each one of them in their own way. Would call me to the carpet on that. Are they all in the culture of lies, though, where the truth doesn't mean anything anymore? And if the truth doesn't mean anything anymore... Where's your where's your moral compass on any of the issues? What do you actually believe? If truth is meaningless, then what drives you? I, I don't it is so bizarre right now and looking at it because there are the political lies. You know, of I'm gonna, you know, you promise the world, read my lips, no new taxes, all those, you know, the political things that, that happen. Then there are the lies that get down to the very uh, essence of of the where I believe far too many in the Democratic Party are right now, and that is the truth be damned. Even when it comes to American lives in Afghanistan, Benghazi, uh, whatever the, the it border. might be, the border, uh, fentanyl. All of it. Uh, Our energy security for the future. And it's, you know, because, and and that one is important because lives were at risk. Lives were lost during the freeze apocalypse, and it didn't have Mm -hmm. to be that way. Nope. But that is a preview as to what is to come because we have made the choices. I was reading where some undercover detectives, their names in Los Angeles were published. A liberal local publication decided they were going to put those names out there. And these are active undercover detectives. You know what that is going to do. You know the danger. But the leftist agenda 
is giving deference to the criminals and creating victims and those who are responsible for the crime. This is so bizarre. It makes you wonder how much worse can it get. But there is no doubt it will get worse. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866 Red Eye. I just went to Breitbart here, just reading the top headlines. Yeah. RFK Jr., threat to Biden. Uh-huh. Anti-vax Kennedy polling at 14% of Democrats. Uh-huh. Poll, 32% of Joe's voters move on. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So I just... <laughs> yeah, I mean... But here's, here's a, the headline I love. Robert Kennedy Jr. launches as a Democrat. Well, what do you think he was going to launch as? Yeah, like he was going to come out as a Republican. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I just, getting back uh, briefly to what we were uh, uh, talking about and, and Ted Cruz going back with the assistant attorney general, and obviously she's she's lying, but, you know, they just, they lie so confidently. And that's the one thing that always gets me because I grew up in such a different culture. Than you know than yeah, that yeah you know I used to you know as a kid yeah I lied and my father caught me as a you know uh, you know caught me many many times and you know told me I was a BSer and and uh, the thing that really bothered me was when my father not when he called me a liar that I was BSing mm. but when he compared me to somebody we know that we all mocked because this guy was such a BSer and everybody knew it you know when you know there's a liar out there yeah, and somebody's yeah. always BSing about their life, and you start mocking them, and everybody talks behind their back, and they don't know about it. Well, when my father compared me to that person, that stung. I might have been 13, 14 years old when he did it. And I yeah. told him that now. I said, you know, that really stung. That really got that really got to me when you said that, because there was a culture that you didn't lie. Right, right. That I grew up in. You didn't lie. You you told the truth. And so when I see this it really just it, it hits me so hard when I see the obvious lies that are being told every day. And I just wonder, don't their friends or family ever tell them? Don't they ever tell them, look, you're embarrassing yourself. You're embarrassing our family. Stop lying. And apparently they don't. And so I have to ask the question, is there interpersonal relationships? Is everything that they do because I'm not the kind of person that has ever believed that you lie, you're a pathological liar in your business life, and you tell the truth in your personal life. Yeah. Sorry, people don't change like that. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder, what kind of lives do they lead? Is everything a lie to everybody that they know all the time, 24-7? Is the, uh, the, does you... the truth not matter anymore? Yeah, I mean, I'm guessing they either just never bring it up in their personal life and it's just accepted or you just have to live the lie completely which i guess is the same thing
You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And he is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen when and where you want. If you can't listen live overnight. And those of you listening right now, you're listening live overnight. You are. Now, in the effort, we were just talking about, you know, uh, the truth. Mm-hmm. In an effort to be as transparent as possible and as transparent and truthful as Elon Musk is attempting uh, to do to Twitter, mm-hmm. we will try to rise to the standard that Elon Musk has set. So in reading this story, uh, state-sponsored automobile company Tesla has... <laughs> cut their prices for the sixth time this year ahead of their first quarter results that were down 20%. Mm-hmm. Yes, state-sponsored automobile company, Tesla. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Saw the headline. <laughs> Elon Musk complaining about subsidies. He gets them, too. It's like, well, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so apparently we need to be accurate there. Uh, Tesla cut prices for some of its Model Y and Model 3 electric vehicles in the United States. Website showed late Tuesday the sixth time it's lowered U.S. prices this year. Tesla, which is uh, due to report, well, this is before the it came out yesterday, due to report the January-March quarter results on Wednesday, cut the prices of its Model Y long-range and performance vehicles by $3,000 each and that of its Model 3 rear-wheel drive by $2,000 to $39,990. Rear wheel drive. No way. Hmm. Trying to think, what was my last rear wheel drive vehicle? Uh, Let me see. I'm trying to think what it would have been. Mine would have been uh, the truck I used to own. Okay. My last uh, okay truck. My last vehicle. Thinking of cars though. Mm Hmm. Can't remember. (laughs) Well, my '75 orange Pinto. Yeah. Was definitely rear-wheel drive. <laughs> that was a good car, though. Yeah. I liked that. I didn't get blown up in it, but the uh, the back cabinet was a great speaker cabinet. Or the back trunk. Perfect speaker cabinet. Put a couple of Jensen coaxials in there. Man. Oh, yeah. You had the 200-watt you know, amplifier or whatever sure. it was. 200, 300-watt amplifier. Yeah. You put in an FM converter because it only came with an AM radio. Put in the FM converter, the cassette deck, mm-hmm. the equalizer, mm-hmm. and you had it all installed, you know, after market, so everything's underneath. Yeah. That thing, man, I'm telling you, that thing cranked. Either that or underneath the seat. Never put it underneath the seat, no. no yeah. I never did that. I did. Yeah. A couple of times. You know, and I think about that because when I was driving that, uh, you really didn't hear much outside. Like I say every single day, I was telling it to the kids. My brother and I were with all of our nieces and nephew driving down the road. <laughs> I think my brother said it. Yeah, uh, with the stupid things we did, because they were talking about stupid things they've done, and you know they they sort of look at us, and you know it's like, well, you guys, it's like, no, 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 we're we're lucky to be here. <laughs> yeah, we did stupid right. things ourselves. Right. Every day we're blessed. How did I survive that? 
and I mentioned even from the time that we were in Boy Scouts and in you know and 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 hiking and basically hanging off cliffs with no fear at all. It's like, oh my. No, I mean I, uh, the, the, at the lake we would jump off the cliffs. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean the stupid now, things we did. Oh man! This now in, in Del Rio, oh. Lake Amistad is one of the clearest lakes there is. Oh yeah, and it, it came up on a list recently. You know the clearest lakes in Texas, and Amistad was on it. You still couldn't see, you know, from when you would go out to the cliffs. That's what we called them. These area where there were cliffs. We worked on that name for a long time. When you go out to the cliffs, you're hanging out. And then, you know, I mean, uh, it got hot very quickly. You got out there as early as possible, but they got hot very quickly. And then inevitably you uh, start jumping off the cliff. <laughs> now I was a kid, so I wasn't drinking. And we were doing this completely sober. <laughs> but again, I was a kid. I mean, that's the problem. That's though, just like it? being drunk when you're young. It's sometimes <laughs> just like being inebriated that's the problem we were sober yeah and you would no excuse. you would jump into the water now the lake levels uh some of the guys have, have uh, shown me some recent pictures and the lake levels have been down in recent years uh so i don't know what it looks like i haven't seen any pictures around the cliffs but yeah we would just jump off because because that's a good idea it's perfectly reasonable <laughs> but you were never the first to do it we would always wait for Robert to be the first. <laughs> Robert was always going to be the first. He was older. <laughs> I remember my our, our senior picnic uh, uh, at uh, Allegheny State Park. Mm-hmm. And we're all running down this hill. I went right over. Didn't even see it. Went right over. And all of a sudden, I'm looking, and I'm up in the air, and I look down. And it's anywhere. It you know, It's like, it's like a little cliff. And it yeah. pro- probably... And the cliff went like this, you know, it went straight down, but then it started curving and there was slate, you know, how slate builds up at the bottom. Yeah. And, and I look and I'm like, oh boy. But I knew as soon as I looked down, I said, I'm going to be okay. I already figured out what I was going to do. I never had any, never, nothing went through my head like, uh oh, I'm dead. I just went because I knew where I was going to hit. I could see where I was going to, where my feet were going to hit. And I probably was the first drop about 30 feet. And then went down, and as soon as I hit, I started rolling, yeah. and and I was able to, and I probably rolled out. The whole cliff was probably to the bottom, maybe about seventy or eighty feet, but I hit about thirty feet down and on the slate, and just as soon as my feet hit, I started rolling, and so I didn't hit like a flat surface. It was you know curved down and angled down, and I got to the and everybody thought I was dead, and I'm. <laughs> roll all the way down and I'm at the bottom like 80 feet down they're all screaming I'm like okay and I'm moving very slowly going I don't think I have any injuries at all and I sat there and they're all screaming and I just stood right up and they went oh wow but I was fine nothing yeah. I mean I had no injury whatsoever but I remember the instant analysis you do when I'm off the cliff and looking down and there was like no fear like this is the end I actually in my mind I'll never the thing is that that's something that is just that's bored in your mind. I mean, it just it just went right. You never forget that moment. But I never yeah. had like a fear like, oh, oh no, uh, I'm going to die here. As soon as I looked at it, instantaneous, I looked at it and I go, I can survive this. <laughs> I, I wonder how many people, <laughs> adventurers, have done that and haven't survived. But that's your last, oh, I can do this. <laughs> yeah. 
I, yes. you know, it's sometimes that self confidence is out of nowhere. <laughs> that was, that was it's, just, it's built on nothing. <laughs> you know, like when an athlete, you know, is shows up for for camp or whatever, they're you know, they already they're already there. They're already they're on the team, or they know that there's a good chance they're going to make the team. But that's years of training, conditioning, discipline. Jumping off a cliff. <laughs> there's, it's, it's just, you're just jumping into the abyss. Now, I, did, I will admit, I didn't even see that we're running down like this wooded path. And all of a sudden, there I am. So I was actually moving. All of a sudden, there I am up in the air looking down going, oops. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I can make this. Yeah. And then I probably didn't even think of. All right, let's go. Uh, let's go back and have some hamburgers. I mean, <laughs> right? Why not? <laughs> Come on, everybody! I do remember the bus ride back, though. And you know, kids coming up to me. Were you scared about what? You fell off the damn cliff. <laughs> yeah. Ah, I was, as soon as I as soon as I looked down, I went, "Oh, I'll be all right. I can I can survive this." <laughs> right. Yeah, I stay, I stay away from cliffs now. Well, it's like you know, when I was doing things like that, my dad was military. I didn't have any military experience. I was thirteen, fourteen years old. <laughs> Are you kidding? And it's not like I'm getting a rope and I'm trying to safely rappel down. <laughs> I know. It, it's not like I have. I'm working with even another adult. There's really no other adults there. <laughs> there are no adults present. It's not like being when we would go to uh, in the hill country of Texas, we'd go to Boy Scout camp. You know, everything was we didn't do anything like that at Boy Scout camp. Nothing like that. Nothing. We didn't. <laughs> Yeah, no. We were insane. And the reason is adults. Adults were there. Oh, no. We we were nuts at Boy Scout camp. Now, the, the, we did some crazy things, but not like that. We didn't sled, do the... Sledding, mm. winter sledding. Yeah. Some of the things that we... Because we created our own sled runs, and that's another thing where I say I can't... I, I hit a tree head on probably going 30 miles an hour. I hit my knee one time. Oh man, and and uh, pair, I, it, that thing hurt for like three weeks, but wasn't broken. The worst sledding accident I ever had: San Antonio, Texas. It wow. had snowed, and apparently, now we came. I was born in Omaha, and so we had the sleds and everything, and we just we just kept them with us. We moved to North Texas, and then after that, we moved to San Antonio. And it snowed in San Antonio. We lived on a hill, for those listening in San Antonio, uh, over in the Adams Hill area. In fact, on Adams Hill Drive. And there was enough of a slope between the houses. Cul-de-sac at the top, but enough slope. If You, you kind of had to get a run, you know, how you would get a running start and then jump on the sled. You kind of had to do that because it wasn't like a steep hill, but it was enough. 
boom, straight into a brick wall. My brother looks at me and goes, oh, my gosh, look what you did to the brick wall. There was this huge chip in the brick wall that I didn't do, but I didn't see it before my little accident. My head, my forehead's bleeding. And then I didn't really start crying until (laughs) I thought I had damaged somebody's house. Yeah, once again, no adults present. And that's the difference. I think that's why we did that when we would go out to the lake and everything else. You pretty much don't get to do that if any adults are around. You have to do the stupid things on your own. Oh, some of the bike accidents I got into were pretty Oh, wild. yeah, yeah, yeah. BB gun wars, everything. Yeah, sling more slingshots for us than BB gun wars. Yeah. But we're, slingshots we're, can do damage. Oh, I know. <laughs> you get one of those you get one of those older kids. It's got the longer arms. With a with a good rock too. Yes. You know, that has just enough <laughs> texture on it a little bit of a pointy edge in places it's going to do some damage you'll shoot your eye out with that yeah looking back at our youth every day is a gift yeah no it is every every day is a gift grateful to be alive i should have been gone a long time ago yeah 866-90-RED-EYE get in touch with red eye radio toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. You know, looking at the whole thing that uh, the, uh, you know, Elon Musk, uh, there's uh, Elon Musk company has cut U.S. prices for its space model Model 3 by 11% hmm. so far this year. Yeah. And yeah. that of its base model Y by 20%. Now, you, you think about it still. Because of inflation, we've said this before, who's going to be able to afford to buy a car? Hmm. And then you get to the point of an electric vehicle. Well, an electric vehicle, for the most part, is somebody's second vehicle. You, know, you and I talked about people moving out of the cities. Well, if yeah, you move out of the yeah. cities, you don't have the public transportation that you have in the cities where you can catch it, you know, at every other corner. It doesn't exist. Right. And right. that means people need to have a car. Who's going to buy an electric vehicle? Because the thing you start looking at more than ever is when you've got to crunch the numbers and you've got only a limited budget, you're looking to get the biggest bang for your buck that you can get, and you cannot get it with an electric vehicle versus a gas vehicle. Well, and and you you talk about the process of having to charge the vehicle. Uh, For so many in metro areas, they're living in multiple family homes. They're living in apartment complexes. So unless that complex is set up to do that, and some of them are, a number of the newer ones are set up to accommodate so many cars. But eventually that will cap out or they'll have to expand that. And then that means they basically have to up the rent. And the practicality of it all, it just isn't there for most people. It just isn't. You know, uh, in an age where... We still can't remember to charge our phones. <laughs> you don't charge your car, you're in trouble.
is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the United States and around the world. Across the world, the United States, North America, the galaxy. I've been ignoring North America. <laughs> By the way, the whole space telescope finding all these other galaxies and everything. I, I can't. I Let's just try and fix this one. <laughs> let's stop looking to the other galaxies to run away from our problems. I, I like the uh, the one, the, the black hole that they suspect is out there that's just swallowing, like... Yeah, that shouldn't be a concern. Sol- solar systems and galaxies. It's like this thing. <laughs> yeah, and what was the other... Uh, the, the, the one story that came out the other day, two galaxies merging and have a combined something like three trillion suns don't even it's not stop because <laughs> i can't even it's not even we, we're not even nobody even you guys are the only ones looking three trillion suns uh, i'm i'm much more secure not knowing i just uh. I, I didn't need to know that if the moon wasn't there, we'd all be dead. When I saw that, when I saw that years ago, I was like, oh, wow, really? So what you're saying is we're just really lucky to be here. <laughs> that yeah. you had to have a confluence of events that was so precise and so exact, and it better stay that way. <laughs> yeah. And thank God for physics. <laughs> Here it is. It's it's uh, more than a, and and of course I had to include the hyperbole uh, to, uh, accurately. It's it's uh, they have the luminosity of more than a trillion suns. Uh, this is from CBS News uh, a few days ago. NASA released a new image Monday of two spiral galaxies in the process of merging, and they are two hundred and fifty million light years away. So you're saying they're close. In the constellation of serpents, that's one of my favorite constellations, captured by the Webb Space Telescope, the James Webb uh, Space Telescope. By the way, why can't I, I, I search that on Amazon, I can't find one. I'm trying to get my own James Webb Telescope. No, you prob- can't, yeah, probably can't find can't, them, they don't sell yeah. them. NASA says the collision of the two spiral <laughs> galaxies dubbed ARP 220 began about 700 million years ago and sparked an enormous burst of star formation. And uh, from the news release, quote, it's an ultra-luminous infrared galaxy 
or as they call it, U-L-I-R-G, with a luminosity of more than a trillion suns. See, you exaggerated. You said three. I know. I wanted it to be three. What, I what, really what, wanted what it to be three. What are you, forecasting the budget? <laughs> <laughs> no. And also, the border is secure. Um, <laughs> the, the, the quote, the quote That's goes... That's a damn big border up there. <laughs> <laughs> the quote goes on to say from, again, this is from a NASA official news release. Quote, the amount of gas in this tiny region is equal to all of the gas in the entire Milky Way galaxy. That doesn't tell me anything. Yeah, it does. What? You can be guaranteed Democrats don't want any drilling there. Yeah, well, that <laughs> tells me that. Yeah, we're not going to be setting up shop in that one. Scientists say ARP-220 is both the nearest ultra-luminous infrared galaxy and the brightest of all the three galactic mergers closest to Earth. The Hub uh, Space Telescope had previously uncovered the cores of the parent galaxies 1,200 light years apart. But with the Webb Telescope's new view, far more detail is revealed. Yeah, when are you guys going to, I mean, I know they show us the images, but the images don't show us anything. I want to, I want to see through the, I want to see it. Like they're seeing. Well, I will tell you this. It's some of the stuff you can find on YouTube, the 4K and the 8K stuff. Yeah. If you've got a 4K or 8K TV. Yeah, no, it's a lot better. I mean, yeah, when, sure. when, when you see some of the stuff from some of the telescopes that they have, I mean, that's pretty impressive. I mean, it's – and then they put music behind it. And the only thing is, when they put music behind it, I say, yeah, but there's no music out there. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I would be going out of my Vulcan mind over stuff like this. It would just be – I would just be geeking left. This is why I couldn't do that. Set aside the lack of education, talent, skills, and all that non-important stuff. I wouldn't stop jumping up and down like a child. When you when you talk about discovering things, getting more information on things, mm -hmm. um, finding out, oh, we were wrong on that. Here's how it really works. Wow. No, I, I have no regrets. I absolutely love my life. Mm -hmm. But there, I, I do think this often when I do see things like that. That boy, I would have, you know, would have been great to be an astronomer. And that's oh. when I hope. Well, maybe, maybe there are other lives where you can come back and do the other things. But you only, have, you only have so much time. And so, if most people, you focus on one thing and your golf game on the side. Uh, and, and if you get time, if you got time, exactly, which I haven't yet. Uh, but you know, you you do that. But I think about, I, I think about the things because my initial reaction is, you know, I have a little bit of regret that I didn't care as much about science when I was younger. You know, to me, yeah. it was it was more okay. I just need to get through the science class, whatever. Uh, I uh, I took geology, and I think mm -hmm. I got a D in it. I didn't mm -hmm. care. Mm -hmm. And I'm fascinated with volcanoes. I love the concept of geology. And I just, you know, I've, I wish I would have paid a little bit more attention. Even though I think I, I've any knowledge I would have gotten there, I've just gotten on my own, you know, from being very interested in that. But, yeah, astronomy, the same thing. Did I say astrology? I meant astronomy. No, I, think, I, said, I think you said astronomy. Okay, if I said astrology, no, I have no interest in astrology. <laughs> 
astronomy. I mean, Aquarius is in the third moon of the (laughs) southern and western hemispheres on the bright tidal eclipse of the moon. Yeah, I'd I'd be. uh, Let me see. uh, I don't even know what I just said. uh, Let me let me see the stars here, and let me let me read your palm. You're doomed. Yeah. Uh, Let me see. Okay, we'll check it. Oh, you're doomed too. Eh, Well, yeah, yeah. If you you go to a, I don't know what do they call them readings or seance i don't know what they call them but it's not a seance if you're still alive right and they do your reading and it's they start with oh whoa 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 uh, <clears throat> could you step out for a second <laughs> it doesn't look good for you it's not in the cards i used to have the place what's it called in new york there's a t- it's on it's not far from buffalo mm. is it lilydale yeah, where all the astrology people hang out. Yeah, I, I don't. I think it's yeah, home, yeah. home of mediumship and uh, and spiritual healing. Okay, Lilydale, New York, near Casadega, and I uh, knew this. She's still a good friend of mine, but her constantly, she give me a call. And she goes, "Hey, me and all the girls are heading down. I don't know why she wanted to include me in it, but we're all heading down." Because they probably couldn't find any other guys. We're all heading down to Lilydale. You want to come down? Mm. What are you out of your mind? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, you know it's fun. No, I'd rather. I'm going to go hit a ball with a stick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I need to go hit a ball with a stick. Yeah, but you know they'll they'll tell you your future. Uh, 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 no, not, they won't. <laughs> there's not much to read there. <laughs> no, they won't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even if they could, yeah, I. I would not, I don't want to know. Even if I believed that they could do that, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Yeah, I'm probably the same way. Because I I wake up every day basically with the, okay, all right, let's get started. Let's do this. Let's, you know. I don't want the, oh, man, well, I know this is coming. No, look, we we talked about, we we came from the culture of truth and, and we were, we've always talked about it when we see politicians so obviously lie. And one of the things we've we've always said is, do their friends ever tell them stop lying? Do their yeah. parents or do their if their parents are alive, do they ever tell them stop lying? Does their family tell them uh, stop lying? But that's another thing, interesting thing there too. A lot of people, uh, I'm talking to some young people saying, well, I don't know what it's going to be like. I, I'm so worried about ten years from now or twenty years from now. And I'm like, wow, I never thought that way. Like you just said there, I sort of think day by day. Just get everything I, done that you need to get well, done every day and enjoy and enjoy the day and challenge the day. I don't really, and I figure if I take care of everything that I have to take care of for the day, it doesn't mean that I live like there's no tomorrow. That's not the point because I live the opposite of that just like you do. Yeah, but it, yeah, it's I don't just... Wanna, people say that you need to live like there's no tomorrow. No, I, I want to live like there is a tomorrow. And it means doing what I can today, accomplishing what I can right. today. And and that's the progress. It's day by day progress that you make. That's my approach. Yeah, you know. And it's. No, I, I remember when Michael. I know what they're saying. But I, I remember it had an effect on me when Michael Landon died and said, "Hey, each day is precious. Appreciate it." But I do by looking at each day and getting out of what I want to do out of each day. Most days I go yeah. to sleep. Yeah. And, and go. Okay, it was a good day. And I yeah. think that's what you look at. Right. And I know for me and other people are different. If other people sat around and did nothing all day, they would go, what a great day. If I sat around and did nothing all day, 
I would probably say, I got to do something tomorrow. <laughs> it was driving me crazy yesterday because um, I had gotten some uh, a bunch of things accomplished the day before. And so yesterday it was like, yeah, but I, and then it was like, all right, you, it's not like the list ends, right? There's always something. Oh, yeah, the list doesn't matter ends. if it's something right. around the house or, or something that I have to take care of uh, in my personal business. And, and it was like, all right, all right, what is it that you also need to get done? And I had to kind of, you know, jolt myself into, into that mode because the day before I was killing it, man. I mean, whole number of things off the list and I got them done. I was feeling great, much better than I'd been feeling in weeks. And it was like, okay, I got the energy. I'm going to get out and do it today. And then yesterday was like, all right, less energy, but well, I still I don't felt mean, like I, I don't, don't want to sit yeah, down. I, I don't want to lay yeah. around. I don't mean necessarily chores that mm-hmm. you do. Mm-hmm. I mean, but, you know, what you're, whatever you do is a profession. I mean, to mm-hmm. me, that's, you know, I was reading something the other day that said, uh, it was something in social media. I hate it when somebody asked me, well, what do you do? I'm more than just what I do. And I'm uh, like, why are you so offended by that? Yeah. It's like, well, no, I ask that all the time to people because I'm fascinated how people, you know, because that's a work and what you do in your life is a huge part. How you handle it is a huge part of of finding out about what type of a person you are. It's not the totality of who you are, but, and it was funny because almost every single response was like, I hate when somebody does that. Why? I have no objection to it. Yeah. You know, if if they ask me and they if they say, what do you do for fun? I don't object to that. You know, if they've asked first, if I walk in, I've got my golf hat on and my golf shoes and my golf glove and my uh, golf scowl on my face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and somebody says, hey, were you out golfing? I don't go, I'm more than just a golfer. Mm. Yeah, you know, it's like you're asking me. You're asking me a question. It's fine. But I, the funny thing is how many people were insulted by that. Same with me. I hate when somebody asks, what do you do? I'm more than what I do. I know, but that's a big part of who you are and what you do. And it can tell a lot. I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah. Yeah. I I, um, I have random thoughts going through my head. It's random thought Thursday. Random thought Thursday. Uh, it's, but, you know, that's that's it. And, and everything just kind of, for me, just uh, kind of melds into the one because of i guess the nature of what we do and yeah. you know because the day doesn't stop when at 5 a.m you know it's just like all right <laughs> it's it's basically wow. one no. cycle from from sunday morning all the way until about friday morning it's one big cycle no that's a great point though i i believe that we have a unique perspective on life and I say that because yeah. yeah, we may not we may not be up more than any anybody else who works a first shift, mm-hmm. but it seems like now I sleep twice a day and it's shorter and I and it's what my body tells me to do, mm-hmm. but I'm up at night and I'm up during the day, yeah, and so yeah. days just really seem like it's one. It's a great yeah. potential to do a ton of stuff. It's not just. I get up, I go to work, I come home, yeah, work yeah. out, go to sleep. Yeah. It's like yeah. I get up twice. <laughs> every every day is almost two days for me. And so you get to experience just a lot of different things at a lot of different, you know, a lot of different times. Yeah. Most and, people don't do what we do, which is which is 
unique and cool in its and, own way if it doesn't kill you. <laughs> right, exactly. And, uh, you know, nearly 27 years of, of it, it just – it. And and I kind of like the fact that it is one big cycle, almost like one really long day between Sunday morning and Friday morning. Because of the news cycle. I mean, we have right. to – there are things that we talked about, and it seems like you'll you'll hear about it, see it at like 8 a.m. on TV or something or hear about it somewhere else. It's like, why are they still talking about it? Oh, we've already talked about it because we were on with it, you know, at midnight. And – but – that cycle just keeps going, so you just you're constantly in that cycle. You wake up and jump right back in. Well, the one thing is, I do believe you have to be so hyper uh, organized and disciplined yeah, to do to yeah, do what we do on yeah, the shift. Yeah. Where it does, there is a thing in your mind that I think it becomes a natural thing. That what have I accomplished today? Yeah, you, it has you, to be a natural you, process. If you don't have right, that, right? But 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 you yeah. because you do so much, you view your life in more accomplishments than, okay, I was able to read a good book today or relax or just sit by the pool. Right. Mm -hmm. That it's almost just because it's just you're always, you know, for me, I know, getting up twice a day, then you're starting, you know, all over again, boom, boom, boom. Right. And so I think yeah. that's just part of the sort of the culture that you live in. Right. Uh, that you almost have to if you're going to do the shift and be productive in There's any a way. former military leader who said one time, I make my bed every day, oh, every yeah. morning when I get up because – I've accomplished that. I start my day with that task that I've accomplished. And it is. I mean, it, it really, it, it changes your psychology. I fall. You I, those small things. Either. When you get up twice a day, I'll fall, I fall short of that. I will let you know. That's yeah, no, I, I haven't made my bed since 1994. <laughs> 866 Red Eye. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller. And I'm here to share a tip on compliance, safety, accountability. Compliance, safety, accountability, or CSA, is the FMCSA Safety Compliance and Enforcement Program. Its goal is to hold motor carriers and drivers accountable for highway safety and to reduce crashes, injuries, and fatalities on our roads. CSA does this by assessing the safety performance of motor carriers and drivers based on data collected during roadside inspections, crash reports, and FMCSA investigations. Based on the data that is compiled, motor carriers are assigned a score. The carrier is then grouped with other carriers who have had a similar number of safety events. Carrier scores within the group are then ranked to determine intervention priority. Low scores are better, so carriers with the highest scores are those that are most likely to be targeted for intervention by the FMCSA. Interventions range in severity and may include warning letters, roadside, off-site, or on-site inspections, civil penalties, or operation out-of-service orders. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Please excuse me, but it's the headline. Washington State Middle School blasted for a highly vile licking game between teachers and students. Yeah. Uh, the Biden rule on mortgages you're not going to like. And Robert Kennedy Jr. announces he's running for president.
Gary McNamara and Eric Harley taking your calls. 1-866-90-RED-EYE. And I'm Gary McNamara. He's Eric Harley. Download our Red Eye Radio app today, and you can listen to our podcast, which is our show. And which thank is, you. Which is our podcast, if yeah. you're listening later on. If you're listening now, it's our show. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> and there you go. All right, here we go uh, with uh, Bobby Kennedy Jr. announcing mm-hmm. that he is running for president of the United States. I've come here today to announce my candidacy for the Democratic nomination for president of the United States. My mission over the next 18 months of this campaign and over my, throughout my presidency will be to end the corrupt merger of state and corporate power that is threatening now is threatening now to impose a new kind of corporate feudalism on our country to commoditize our children, our Purple Mountain's majesty, to poison our, our children and our people with, with chemicals and pharmaceutical drugs, to strip mine our assets, to hollow out the middle class and keep us in a constant state of war. So there, you, uh, there he is, and uh, just in the, uh, the, the background, it's sort of freaky for, for me because when I saw it, you know, I'm a, you know, uh, I'm a Kennedy Democrat. You see that. I'm a Kennedy Democrat. I'm a Kennedy Democrat. That actually goes back, you know, really to the, the 60s. I mean, that goes back to I, – I can still remember the description of Vince Lombardi that uh, Nixon was considering, there's the old story, Nixon was considering Vince Lombardi as a vice presidential candidate, but he was a Kennedy Democrat. Yeah. Right. And that was something. And so when I see that now, wow. <laughs> you know, you're talking oh, 60 years later mm-hmm. when you see that, because you saw it all the way through, I mean, you saw it all the way through, you know, John Kennedy running in the early 60s all the way to when Bobby Kennedy was running in, in the late 60s. I mean, right, that was that right. was something that, uh, you know, that that was well known in the public, you know, narr- political narrative. Uh, you know, you're a Kennedy Democrat. Uh, and you can tell uh, what, uh, uh, you know, uh, Bobby is as far left as you can get. You know, he yeah. wishes to get yeah. rid of the corporate plutocracy, whatever it means. And mm-hmm. he he's very big on meme-like statements, as you can tell there. But the thing is, when you the, – the question I would ask him is I would ask any insane Democrat, uh, which I put him in, by the way, on the issues that he believes in, many yeah. of the issues that he believes in, right. is, is the insanity that we're, that we're seeing. I would ask him – what do you see the makeup of society? What would industry be like? What would yeah. you do? Right. They never are forced to answer that question. What exactly would it be? Now, at least AOC, I'll, I'll give her credit for this. At least she gave you an idea of what her nirvana would be. What her Camelot would be. <laughs> and it would be, 
a rotten hell is what it would be because it would be out and out communism. But uh, I, I, he's, he's not, to me, he's not a serious, Bobby Kennedy Jr. is not a serious candidate. And if you get somebody like in there like Newsom, uh, you know, it's, it's over. If it's the three of them, if it's Marianne Williamson, Kennedy, and Biden, you never know. You know, he starts out with 14%. That's pretty strong. I mean, he, because if you were to, I guess, ask most Democrats or ask a number of Democrats, I mean, how often would his name come up organically, right, in a discussion? Mm -hmm. Really never. Never. And and, uh, again, you know, what uh, his... You know, his his voice and his gravelly voice that he has mm. is not a voice to project, uh, I I think, uh, a powerful image. Mm. That's just the reality. If you're asking me, you know, the aesthetics of somebody who is running, it just isn't there. Right. Even if I believed in everything that he believes, and we probably are 180 degrees apart, still, you I, I believe you have to have the ability to project uh, you know, some type, especially with Biden, mm-hmm. because Biden is viewed as bumbling and not really leading at all. Right. right. You know, he's just he's just there. He's filling the spot. And the reason that they're looking for somebody like Newsom is, OK, he's young, uh, can express his ideas, can be on the offense and and, you know, going in. A, and we believe that, as we've said, we Democrats believe that Newsom can sell the lie better. Where even to most Democrats, they look at um, they uh, they look at Robert Kennedy Jr. and go, yeah. So I saw yeah. it was a liberal magazine that had it. They said Kennedy won't have support of his own family. It's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I don't view him as a serious candidate unless nobody else gets in. And Biden, you know, just with the news we've seen over the last couple of days, you know, with uh, with Hunter. And with every single thing that has come out, uh, you know, about the, uh, the uh, you know, the Republicans talking about this, the top secret classified documents, do some of them relate to Hunter's business? And if those documents relate in any way, if they relate in any way to the influence peddling scheme, I don't think Biden survives that. No, that I, is the, I don't that, so. that is a point where he would not survive if classified documents were used by Hunter to enrich the family, that goes right back to Joe Biden because, you know, that's his responsibility, those classified documents at yeah. that point. Yeah. I would believe it would be over at that point. And then you would probably get, at that point, you know, again, you sit there and you say, okay, well, then would it be would, would it be uh, uh, Kennedy or Williamson? No, you get Newsom in. You probably would get Klobuchar in. You might even get Hillary back in. Hillary might even try. If something like that happened, let's say let's say they finally realize in two months they've connected the dots to Biden and he's out, I think Hillary might run. I yeah, no, I, I see the logic in that. I, I see that being a, a, a very real possibility. I don't think I don't think she believes she's done. <laughs> I was careful to phrase it that way. 
That's why I'm laughing. That was great. Yeah. I don't believe she feels she's done. <laughs> and and I, I think that's it. I think that she believes she still has something to prove. What that something is, is you know, she would have mm-hmm. to tell you. But I think she believes that she's not done, especially if things fall hard on Biden this summer. If, if they do, here's the thing. The weight of that is enough to excuse away the leapfrogging over Kamala Harris that will be required for mm-hmm. any candidate, essentially, I mean, if he is not going to run. Um, but if it falls and he decides, if everything falls and he decides he's not going to run, he mm-hmm. blames it on health issues. Um, everybody's going to know that it's basically on the Hunter Biden thing. And then she is, Kamala Harris is tainted by that as a part of the administration. And then Hillary Newsom. Newsom, I, you know, I would say I, I wouldn't be surprised if you had a lot of the repeats from the last time. If Booker decides to run again at club, just throw their hat in yeah, just, just to see how yep. far it, right. uh, uh, it it goes, but yeah. uh, you know, yeah. but new, I only see, you know, and I think most Democrats view that Newsom is the only truly viable candidate. I, I think the mainstream Democrat, the, the 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 average rank and file, sees him as the viable candidate. Yeah. They see him as they see him as the mainstream candidate. He's not mainstream. No, he's but not. they see no. him. His image projects mainstream. Until you get into the debate season, but that's you know that's uh, part of the process. If they're you know if they don't understand, if people, especially in his party, don't understand who he is outside of California, you know, then or, or support him as, because they do know who he is. Then, right. you know, what I what I will say is what uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. did right mm-hmm. is. He had enough people wherever he was, yeah. in whatever yeah. auditorium he was, yeah. to yeah. make it sound like it was a big event. No, it it did come off as, and I was watching it as it uh, was uh, was breaking yesterday, and and I thought to myself, you know, it looked, um, he looked seasoned. It looked, it looked uh, logistically, it looked right, um, and his vocal spasms aside, um, the. Imagery, otherwise, as you said, it's kind of, you know, it's the throwback to the Kennedy. But that's what they're, that's what kind of what they're hoping for. Right. You know, I I think they're, and I think they're, the appeal is to a lot of the old school Democrats to say, you know what? Okay, we can, you know, we're definitely going to be progressive. We're going to, you know, we're going to be doing these things. But to try and usher in that, that image of what the party used to be yeah i i I don't think it be honest with you i don't think it resonates i don't think it it goes past yesterday uh well i mean i i meant the imagery of i'm a kennedy democrat as if okay here comes the kennedys again and we're heading back to camelot and that's that's completely that's completely lost yeah on on this generation and and i I, think that it it basically falls at the steps of where they were yesterday and i don't think but i think that was their attempt but it's not going to, because we're, we we are light years away from that era. Yeah. We're light years is. away in all of our sensibilities. 
and especially the sensibilities of the younger demographics who you need if you're uh, well, if you're on the left to get you there. And and when you think about it, what I think John John's been dead twenty five years. Mm. You think yeah. about him, that's a quarter of a century, yeah. and that was really. I mean, you could still at that point when he was alive, there was always the hope that the you know there will be a return to the Kennedys. Yeah, he was. A, and, he was the the next generation. That was right. the generation. The, the generational link, at right. least to that era. Whether he ran again or not, whether right. he actually right. ran or yeah. not. Yeah. I mean, right. that that was the. In, in my humble opinion, living through all the Kennedys, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and uh, you know, political careers, and remember it. All. I mean, John, I was extremely young when that was going on, but I actually do remember it. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of, as a very young child, but uh, going through that entire that it sort of ended with with uh, John John's death. Yeah, and you know, seriously, I mean, part of the uh, part of the whole thing, you know, when Seinfeld used the whole John John, you know, episode. Remember that? Yeah. But that was all part of the fact that he was still a huge part of popular culture, and he was viewed. There was always the hope that I bet you I can find a liberal magazine somewhere that said John John, the last hope for Camelot. Yeah, which of course was the you know again that's right the media selling you yeah a lot of uh, horse hockey as Colonel right. Potter used to say in Mash right. But uh, uh, yeah, so I just I don't see he does not resonate. He does not bring in. The the Kennedy excitement, which sort of, like I said, the last gasp died when John John died back, was it 97, 98? Mm. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Think about how, yeah, mm. long time ago. I mean, it's like, wow. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. In Red Eye Radio, he's Eric Hardy, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. So it was July of 99 mm. uh, that uh, actually the uh, the aer- airplane accident happened with uh, John F. Kennedy Jr. So uh, yeah. 24 years it's coming upon. But, yeah, really at that point, I mean, Bobby Kennedy doesn't doesn't take that, you know, doesn't take that. Uh, I think uh, uh, Kennedy, Kennedy goodwill that existed or the culture of – Camelot, which of course I thought was always ridiculous, but it did exist in the Democratic Party for a significant period of time. But I think that was gone after you know the the hope was, you know, uh, John John would run eventually someday, right? Yeah, and he was only thirty eight when he died. Mm-hmm. I just I just looked it up and I looked at you and I said, my gosh, he's only thirty eight. I don't know why yeah. I figured he was forty five or something, but no, he was thirty eight years old, so still had plenty yeah. of time. I don't know whether. He, was interested in politics, but remember the magazine he had, George, wasn't really, you know, wasn't really a great success. So would he have gone into politics? Mm. He probably would have won. Yeah. And Democrats, so, but uh, Bobby Kennedy Jr., no, I think most, not even Democrats, I don't think, look at him as a serious candidate at all. Right, right, so. yeah.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.